0: college football playoff things as well. And then we me and John both sent our letters to Santa about what we wanted for Christmas as K-State fans. So you'll get to hear that and we'll talk, you know, talk about what else is going up with K-State sports and then to get a chance to we've always run out of time to talk about the basketball team. So we're, gonna, we're going to make we're going it, to we're going to designate time to talk. <laughs> we went on a couple minutes early, so that should definitely help us out. Give us a chance to talk about the basketball team's it's a very sad loss against
1: Marquette. Heartbreak. Heartbreak. I'm wearing my lavender jersey, and it, it's just like, this is, this is, I, I was looking forward to wearing this after a win, but, I mean, a one point loss, I mean, what, what can you do? What
0: can you do? Yeah, they're 5-3 and three now, but we're here to talk football right now. I'll go ahead and start with a f- little fun fact, John. Three years ago today, Chris Kleinman was hired as the head coach of K-State. I know. And just... then he proceeded to dominate Lincoln Riley and force him out of Oklahoma. We'll get to that a little bit later. Can't handle so, Big 12 out here. <laughs> so anymore. as you mentioned, k State gonna play LSU in the Texas Bowl on January 4th. The first thing I want to say, it's it's just oh, it's just such a shame we couldn't beat Texas. It seems if we could beat Texas, be eight and four, we'd have a shot at the Cheez It Bowl. Go down to Orlando, probably play a better team. You know, represent the school a little bit better. But there's nothing you can do about it now. Going to play LSU down in Houston,
1: and I, I don't know. There's nothing really to shove a stick about when you're playing a team oh, or like a national perennial program like lsu who's won uh, a national championship in the last five years uh this is a new opportunity for k-state the first time i believe they're playing a recent national champion since auburn back in 2014 uh in which they won a championship in 2010 i mean oklahoma and texas just haven't been able to get over the national hump like everybody has been intending to uh but this is a new opportunity for k-state these two teams haven't played uh these actually i take that back these two teams just played once uh and that was more than 40 years ago uh that was back on september 13th 1980 when lsu was playing their second game after the charles mcclendon era ended uh and lsu beat k-state uh 21 to 0 in death valley so it wasn't but it wasn't a bright sometimes for k-state sports but I think when you kind of look at the comparisons in which we will go into a little bit, you got to see, you like some of the advantages K-State has.
0: Yeah. I mean, you will definitely be trying to get our revenge, you know, all those years ago. And it seems as though Skyler's going to be good to go on January 4th. You have to imagine.
1: And and that's good too, because like, if this was a bowl game, like around, like I, like pretty early, like the guaranteed rape yeah. bowl or the, First responders bowl like if that was a, like an early bowl date, uh, I would not be feeling confident about Skyler's return. But it, it gives us a lot of like gives us a lot more time to to develop not only the younger guys but also to to see uh, how more how more. If, I I can't think of a word what what to say. How,
0: okay, I don't. <laughs> I wish I could help you, but... It's okay. No, I no, mean, man. it's okay. I, well, I, <laughs> I thought this good. was
1: going to be a good show, but I'm already messing up early on.
0: <laughs> Don't worry. About it. It's totally fine. But, I mean, this is an LSU team. I mean, they're 6-6, six and six, but, you know, you have to remember then the SEC, you know, they played some really good teams pretty close. You know, they finished off the season with a win against number 15 Texas A&M. They played Alabama really close. I mean, they had a real shot at going down the field and scoring to win that game. They lost by three points to Arkansas in overtime. You know, they have a 1,000-yard rusher in Tyrion Davis-Price. I mean, it seems like a pretty respectable team that, you know, that we're going to be going up against. Always have to give respect to the SEC. But, I mean, I think K-State's got a real shot to win this game. The two losses really do leave a sour taste in your mouth to end the season as a K-State fan. But I think as players, they've probably already moved on from that and are just getting ready to prepare for this ball.
1: I think just kind of with this new opportunity that K-State has had uh, for the first time in two years, just playing a, a, a team like LSU should really just get them hyped up. Uh, I can't really recall like a bowl game where like K State was like playing a ultimate like football powerhouse like because you got Navy like w- a really respectable program, but we I mean some, Michigan it, maybe Michigan. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, that Michigan, might have been the last one. Michigan twenty thirteen, but um, definitely a lot of definitely a lot of. Uh, expectations for this K State team, uh, especially offensively to get back on track. Uh defense, uh hoping to to keep things going, uh as well. So we'll we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, I mean you mentioned the defense. Talk, I mean we didn't get a chance to talk about the last two games and it's probably good. It would've just been a there probably would have been some tears being had, but the defense looked really strong in both of those games. They were really, they were trying as hard as they can to keep that offense in the game. It was a little inconsistent, but they consistently were able to stop the it's, run game. And I mean, you know, at least try and give the offense a chance to get in there. But we it just, it just didn't really work out like, offensively. Those last like two games. Like Kleiman
1: oh sorry, like Kland, uh, Kleiman and Clanderman keep saying, it's a bend not break type of defense. Like when K, K- State is under pressure at times. I mean, they they're gonna they're gonna try and keep you off the field as much as possible, uh, and for first and for the twelve games this year, I mean, K State's already held eleven out of their twelve opponents below their like scoring average. Uh, only Oklahoma State reached its average against K State, uh, which was thirty one, which was thirty one plus. Uh, so definitely, definitely. Uh, anticipating a great game from the defense and there's a lot of uh, offensive issues uh, for LSU right now as uh, considering the fact that there's a lot of them in the transfer portal
0: yeah yeah you mentioned the transfer portal their quarterback Max Johnson who I believe was a four-star recruit coming out of high school threw for 2,800 passing yards 27 TDs six picks that is really nice 27 TDs at K State would be a single season passing record L Roberson currently has it at 24 which he did in 2003 so I mean that's pretty impressive for there, I mean, they're going to really miss their lefty quarterback. And I believe whoever their backup is, is a walk on. That's going to be a real disadvantage for them. But I mean, on the K State side, you have Jacartier right and Joe Irvin, two backup running backs to Deuce Vaughn, both entering the transfer portal. And, I mean, if you've listened to the show in the past, me and John are both really high on Joe Irvin. It's kind of a single cut back to really compliment Deuce Vaughn. He had great speed, always accelerated when there was a hole in the offensive line. And I think he, it's going to really hurt to uh, not have him for the bowl game.
1: Now, I don't know if it's mainly based on health-ish, like health concerns because at times he wasn't on the fe- like on the sideline or like he hasn't had a whole lot of playing time. Um, but this one, the, the Joe Irvin one, from, uh, from my opinion, is, is going to take a, ma- a major loss because you do have you have a potential backup from Junction City who's going to make some noise in, in the future. We'll see uh, how he does in the next few years, but Joe Irvin and Deuce Vaughn, just had dual threat that they got at running back, was just the real deal. Uh, and it was not easy for teams uh, to stop at all.
0: Yeah, it's definitely going to move. I mean, you can I can understand where they're coming from. You have a sophomore in Deuce Vaughn who's a total star and obviously the number one guy at K-State. You know, And if you think you can you know, be a guy somewhere else, then I think it's fair enough yeah. to go ahead and take that shot. Uh, we actually have a clip from Chris Kleiman's press conference reacting to the bowl game, talking about some of the running backs that are uh, going to get a shot during these practices to uh, earn that backup spot.
2: DJ Giddens and Devron Withers, um, Jordan Shippers, uh, CJ Pry- uh, that gonna, are going to get an opportunity, and um, uh, that's fun for those guys because they're going to get a chance to to run with the the, the top guys, and and uh, we can get a great uh, gauge and evaluation on those guys. I, they all have ability, and uh, uh, we'll find out who becomes the the guy or guys that are going to either spell Deuce or or complement uh, Deuce. And so, you know, we we still have number twenty two back there, and, and and we all know he's pretty special.
0: Indeed he is. So we'll see who will end up being the person to kind of compliment Deuce Vaughn on that January 4th bowl game. But uh, we do have to talk about some of the recent news in the coaching world yep. that obviously obviously for LSU, getting rid of Edward Orgeron and hiring Brian Kelly, who's making $11 million, you said?
1: Woo. That's that's a lot of that's money. A lot, that's a lot of cheddar. That's a lot of money. That, the AD at LSU formerly was an AD at Texas A&M hmm. who who hired Jimbo Fisher from Florida State, so if he can really get these type of guys, I mean that there the money's there for LSU. All he to all he has to do is just make the phone call and convince them to come and I mean, he's he's done a great job already.
0: Yeah, I mean, so we mentioned it for LSU, a transfer, you know, a uh, starting quarterback entering the transfer portal and then a new coach coming in. So, I mean, they have ample time to prepare, you know, about three weeks, but it's still pretty tough to, you know, put that all together. And then on the K-State side, you have Courtney Messingham and Jason Ray, Courtney Messingham, the offensive coordinator this season, and then Jason Ray, the wide receivers coach, both being let go by Coach Chris Kleiman, which obviously was not easy for Kleiman because him and Mess go way back all the way to their childhood. So it definitely was a tough thing for him. Uh, We have a a clip of Kleiman uh, talking about, um, you know, kind of deciding to uh, let go of uh, Messingham and, you know, why he decided to do that.
2: Uh, thought about it long hard, was on the road for all last week, which probably helped me get away and clear my mind and, and Decide on what's the best thing for Kansas State University, and uh, came back and, and had a conversation with with Gene, and uh, it was it was my decision um, that I thought we needed to make a change. That was very very difficult, as as you can imagine, as as close as Coach Mess and I are. Uh, but uh, uh, I came here three years ago uh, to uh, get a program ready to to go compete for a Big Twelve championship, and this is not about Chris Kleiman It's not about Courtney Messingham, it's about Kansas State football, and uh, I felt uh, we needed to make a change, and um, uh, so we did.
1: I'm just going to say, uh just from my perspective, I think Messingham was well-known for having a solid initial game plan and an offensive system that could be very effective when executed properly. But his struggles show when when the initial, bre- uh, bleh, the initial plan break down. I mean, playing from behind and at halftime, and K-State has also uh, a lot of times this year struggled in the second half, particularly the the third quarter for most of his tenure, especially uh, in losses, and it appeared as if uh, he was slow to make adjustments when opponents were just adjusting to the game plan.
0: Yeah, I mean the third quarter, three and out. It was kind of a you know a thing. I think John Kurtz might have started on on K State Twitter. It was just, it just feels like sometimes we just haven't made that leap into you know modern college football. It always feels like we're just like a little bit behind like, on everything. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, kind of the the straw that broke the camel's back was you know the the fourth and ones not running a quarterback sneak or you know. Even more than not running a quarterback sneak, but running the same play on a third and one that you didn't get the last time. And then going to the speed option was kind of just enough for uh, for K-State fans, at least on Twitter. But, yeah, it was a little frustrating. Some of the possible replacements, it seems, based on what people are saying. Colin Klein obviously was named the interim offensive coordinator, the quarterback's coach at K-State before. Now interim offensive coordinator. So we'll see if he gets a shot. Um, people were reporting Tim Polasek, who was the Wyoming offensive coordinator. He worked with Kleiman at North Dakota State. But that doesn't seem as likely anymore, according to K-State Online. And now Matt Wells, who was uh, yeah. the former Texas Tech head coach, who he was really good friends with Chris Kleiman. Apparently, sources are telling uh, Derek Young over at K-State Online that it's it's a possibility he may get the job at OC. But obviously, you know, just, I mean... They talked about on K State Online whether you would take those three of the field, and it seems the field is more likely. But it's still it's still obviously very early in the game for looking for an offensive coordinator. So we'll see what happens. But you know, I mean, we're we're hoping and praying for you know a, a really good offensive coordinator that can you know get K State to that next level.
1: Yeah, just like for K State to be like comp- like in like. To where college football is now, instead of being like a, a, a couple of years back behind, I think it'll be interesting just to see how Chris Kleiman, I mean, if Matt Wells does get hired, I think it could be interesting to see how Chris Kleiman and a former head coach adapt with with each other, like in terms of offensive play calls. Uh, and he has been in Manhattan several times since he uh, uh since he's um since he's been let go from Texas Tech as well. So we'll see how all that. How all that shakes out, but uh, only only time will tell. Only time will tell. That's
0: yeah, you have any other thoughts about uh, K State versus LSU? You want to get out?
1: Uh, let, let's see. I'm I'm scrolling down for my notes. I think, in terms of just the key uh, keys of the game, I think it's just LSU's interest revel- level and their personnel situation. Will I think I think that'll likely take shape and meet game's outcome. Like whether we're focusing on Brian Kelly next year. Or yeah. will they have some guys that are ready to go down to Houston, an area that LSU recruits uh, so well in? Um, that that's a possibility. Um and we'll see how kind of like every everything like uh with the coaching changes affects like the program and the team in general, because at first like when I heard about Brian Kelly, I was like, how how does that how does that connect? At all. I mean. Yeah. Man.
0: Well, because you had sent me before Lincoln Riley took the job at USC that, you know, rumors were going about Lincoln Riley going to uh, um, LSU. And then, obviously, the whole Lincoln Riley thing is crazy that he made the decision within, like, a few hours. But, uh, yeah, anyway, go ahead and continue, John.
1: Um, but. I I am no, I'm not gonna lie though I'm going to miss Ed Orgeron like every yeah. every time listening to ESPN post game interviews. Yeah, I'm gonna say this: if I was a K State fan and if we lose like and if we lose to a Texas Bowl to an Ed Orgeron LSU team, I'd be satisfied <laughs> during post game to hear Coach Orgeron say for the last time, "Go Tigers."
0: Yeah, just one last. Uh, <laughs> Go Tigers. Yeah, just one last. Exactly. Go Tigers.
1: Yeah, and then. I, I don't know, but Brian Kelly, he's trying to develop some kind of Southern <laughs> accent. I'm sure you have an audio with it. Yeah,
0: maybe what? we, you know, we've been talking so much about Brian Kelly. You know, maybe if you haven't heard it, we should hear, you know, his thoughts. He spoke at halftime. I think it was LSU versus Ohio. I think, but that's not really important. But the point is, he spoke at halftime. So, you know, maybe we should, you know, let him uh, tell his side. You know, of, give his thoughts about being a head coach at LSU. It's a great
2: to be a Tiger.
0: I, I think I need to hear that one more time. Um Family. I don't I don't I mean uh family. Brian Kelly <laughs> comes from Everett, Massachusetts. <laughs> went to St. John's Preparatory College. I don't know if that's how they say family. over in Massachusetts.
1: I and mean, then like during his press con- like his first press conference at LSU, he can't, he, can't, he sounded pretty normal on like just from what our ears can hear, but I mean apparently I mean that's what happens when you spend more than one day this, down in Louisiana. This you is just this start this Cajun accent like as Orgeron <laughs> has and I mean I I don't know. I mean people in LSU could probably say it differently but I'd be better off going off to Egypt and read and read hieroglyphics off of a 9,000-year-old cow <laughs> uh dang it, year-old cave wall and trying to understand Uh-oh. what he has to say during a press conference. I Uh-oh. mean it's just some weird talking down there, I mean. <laughs>
0: Maybe we should go to Louisiana and see if, in, if in a day, we just immediately pick up the accent.
1: Come back onto the radio show. Might
0: not, man, I'll tell you what, that dang old Louisiana man—they're <laughs> doing pretty good over there. Just do my, just do a boom, Howard. <laughs> well,
1: welcome in to second Blake. Second Blake.
0: <laughs> no, I don't think anybody would listen to that. <laughs> that level of Southern accent. Oh my lord!
1: That'd just be that'd just be a career ender for both of us. Yeah, <laughs>
0: instantly, just so young but getting back on track we did talk about some of the the coaching changes that have been made not only for k-state but for lsu with brian kelly but there has been so many other coaching changes happening oh my gosh lincoln riley to usc he's taken alex as defensive coordinator with him. ou hires brent venables to replace riley Just announced today six years, $43.5 million. Uh, Mario Cristobal goes from Miami to Oregon. Brian Kelly to LSU from Notre Dame. Marcus Freeman replaces Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. Dan Rowland gets fired from Florida is replaced by Billy Napier, who's from Louisiana. Sonny Dykes in the Big 12 is named the new head coach of TCU. Joey McGuire, who was the associate head coach of Baylor, is now the new head coach at Texas Tech. And it was just announced, uh, like, an hour ago or something, Tony Elliott, the Clemson offensive coordinator, now the head coach of Virginia, and then a couple hours ago before that, Dan Lanning, the D- Georgia defensive coordinator to Oregon. So Clemson, pretty big losers in the grand scheme of these, losing their AD, their offensive coordinator, and their defensive coordinator. Davos Sweeney is it's pretty, all alone now. <laughs>
1: he's pretty much your last hope. And it's just – this is – I'm not going to lie. This is probably the most craziest coaching carousel year that I've witnessed, probably since I was born. I mean, yeah, it's just like seeing these big names go to these places like LSU, USC. I mean, I I was stunned about, but I was I was probably more surprised about the LSU hire because of, because Lincoln Riley has developed a lot of great talent uh, that originate previously from the West Coast, uh, particularly California, so. That that definitely plays a factor. I think he also did not uh, like the fact that they're going to move into the SEC, and he wasn't really uh, a part of like the whole discussions and stuff. So that's that's my thoughts about uh, Lincoln Riley. But uh, some other some other ones that I'm very in- intrigued to see. Dan, Dan what is it? Ma- Dan Lanning. Oh yeah, yeah. Going he, to Oregon. Having the number yeah. 1 de- defense in yeah. the country of Georgia. That defense was no joke, well until they played Alabama, but <laughs> they they looked really good this year on, under his under his coaching staff. Uh and then Brent Venables, he's back at Oklahoma. Uh and I believe he he was previously there uh as a defensive coordinator, but he got fired in 2010. Uh but he's definitely proven he's a winner at Clemson. So uh, a type of guy that's very familiar with the Oklahoma program. I think that's the type. I think that's the right guy Oklahoma went for. And I, and I was a little bit disappointed as a K State fan because. Before climbing got fired, I yeah, mean, shoot, hired at, yeah. at K State, I was like, oh come on, I want Brent Venables. Yeah, now. we
0: were all we were all just hoping and dreaming that we could get Brent Venables. Forget,
1: forget about Dabo's money; just come back to your school. <laughs>
0: we have some money. We have the Ice family; <laughs> they could pay you. They could pay your salary. But uh, I mean, you mentioned that this has been an eventual coaching. I mean, I think in the entire year in general, this has probably been one of the most interesting years in college football that. I mean, you we might have ever had with, you know, conference realignment with Oklahoma and Texas and then what followed the domino effect that happened after that. And then you think about Cincinnati, the first group of five team to make it into the playoff. And then you have all this coaching carousel stuff.
1: I mean, it's just been absolutely crazy. How about this to kind of like connect all the ties? So, you know, like Matt Campbell, Luke Fickle, Dave Aranda, those would be the type of guys I'd leave for a job very quickly, right? (laughs) they're staying at their schools they're getting new contracts as as well as stick stick out of byu as well he just signed a new contract today um so but honestly the real winner might be the new big 12 just keeping kind of uh, just keeping these coaches that are wanting to grow their programs uh, uh as well so i i'm i'm with you there just a lot of chaos uh a lot of chaos especially in December. And I think part of it – and I think it really ripples to the recruiting side as well, especially that the recruiting period, like in December – I think – is it the early period of recruiting? I believe so. I'm not 100%
0: in tune with all the recruiting stuff, but yeah.
1: But it's just crazy times, crazy Crazy time. It
0: really it really is. And, I mean, I think we have time, so we can go ahead and talk a little about some of the college football stuff. Obviously, given what happened on Championship Saturday, the four teams are pretty much locked. It was just whether Michigan or Alabama would be number one. Did you agree, having Alabama at number one? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just tough because they had so many games where they looked so bad against LSU and Auburn. I mean, they almost lost to Arkansas, but they just looked, they looked so good. Against Georgia, who you know beforehand just—I mean—they were favored in that game, and they had the like the strongest defense in college football. And it really wasn't that close. I mean, you look at it now after their loss, and you know their competition wasn't great. They didn't have a ton of quality wins. I think their best win was Ole nine Miss. Ole Miss, yeah. Which I mean, it's still respectable. Ole Miss
1: and Georgia, but I—I uh, I think just the way Alabama dominated them. Like, if it was a pretty close game. Overall, I'd probably give a nod to Michigan, but Alabama just—they came out on a whole new level. Bryce Young and that Alabama offense—they they, they just—they broke—they broke Georgia's defense. They they just they really completely did. broke Georgia's defense, and Alabama took took the advantage of, of uh taking out Stetson Bennett at times and. I, that's probably the, the main position Georgia has been liking throughout the whole entire year because he has shown a lot, of, uh, a lot of times that he that he can be very vulnerable, and so can the Georgia O line when he's not getting uh, the best amount of connection between him and his team. Uh, during these type of games.
0: Yeah, and Alabama's definitely going to miss John Mechie, who seems like he's going to be out for this year with an ACL thing. Yeah. So that's really going to hurt him. But, I mean, it's Alabama. It's wide receiver U. I'm sure their freshmen that they have our future first-round draft yeah. picks. Anyway, so it, does, it doesn't really matter. Now, I asked you this before the show, and it's it's an impossible question really, but if Oklahoma State ended up winning – which I mean, realistically they should have. I mean, they had first and goal at what, the two or three yard line. They did this twice oh, against
1: Baylor. Twice. Yeah. And they were at the goal line. They had four opportunities to get into the end zone. I mean Yeah. Not even a quarterback sneak. Yeah. Well, they might have done it like once, but I mean, that's that's that was just bad on coaching. That was just bad coaching on Mike Gundy's part that game. Yeah. Uh and
0: Obviously, Spencer Sanders didn't help matters with his four oh, picks. I mean, I, that that oof, you, man. you aren't
1: you aren't going to win a whole lot of games when you're quarterback. Well, yeah, you should be but lucky. Bear Stutz and Bennett and the Spencer Sanders connection yeah. when you're throwing too many turnovers. Yeah, so. but
0: I mean, I'll go ahead and get to my question I was going to ask. If Oklahoma State did end up winning, I mean, do you think do you think Cincinnati would have gotten bumped out to five? No. Yeah, it's. It's, it's a really fun what if, but I don't think I'm, you're ever really going to find an answer.
1: I'm going to admit right now, I think Cincinnati's win over Notre Dame is better than any Big 12 teams win over anybody this year. And I think that's probably, I think if Cincinnati played nobody, well, probably like not if they played everybody but Notre Dame. Then yeah. I could see a potential case of where, like, Oklahoma State. But Notre Dame, like, they were fifth in the college football yeah. playoff rankings. And having a win like that when while you're undefeated as a group of five team, I think that sh- like, just shows the amount of hard work and dedication you put onto the field. Uh, and I'm – I am I mean, I'm a Big 12 homer. Don't – don't, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I would have wanted to see Oklahoma State and Baylor over them. But, I mean – Cincinnati's earned it. I mean, especially like with the way they have played uh, throughout the whole season. Yeah, I'm re- and I'm also looking forward to seeing how they do in the Big Twelve as well. I mean, that'll be a lot of fun to see how
0: they do. And I think their street cred they earned last year by being so close as well. I think really helped they, them this year as well. They
1: almost beat Georgia in the Peach Bowl.
0: Yeah, I think that really that really helped them. Even though I don't think you're supposed to technically consider it, but it really is in people's minds. Um, so I think that put. Puts I mean, up-
1: that, that that would have been kind of a UCF tie right there. Yeah, like, that is true. Like where, like UCF was undefeated one year. they were like, oh, put us in the playoff, and <laughs> we're the national champions. Uh, um, and then they, I think they only had like one loss, and that kind of bumped them out a little bit. So. Great great to see Luke Fickle in Cincinnati getting a lot of respect.
0: Yeah, they really did. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, it seems like college football playoff is gonna get expanded, so it'll be interesting to see where we go from there. But we're gonna go ahead and hear a word from Tanner's we we come back, we'll be reading our Christmas wish list, K State edition, our letters to Santa. John, I mentioned at the top of the show. It's the most wonderful time of the year. You know,
1: you know, if I eat a lot during the holidays and Thanksgiving, that fifteen pounds, that fifteen pound (laughs) concern that everybody has, like, tells you when you're a freshman, that goes all away. And I'm getting close to that.
0: (laughs) Well, Christmas is two weeks away. You obviously got to get your letters into Santa. We did ours, K State edition, to see what we wanted for our K State Wildcats in football and basketball. So, I mean, John, I think we can go ahead and uh, start with you if you want to read your. So, mine's
1: going to be mainly around the football type of things because that's where I'm kind of more driven towards right now.
0: Yeah, that's totally fine. Also, we do have a bit of breaking news. Apparently, Duke is set to hire Mike Elko as their coach, who was the defensive coordinator at Texas A&M,
1: according to The Athletic. They were considering Jason Garrett at one point, so we'll see what happens, but But, Duke is a basketball school. Anyway,
0: yeah. So let's go ahead and hear your letter to Santa K-State edition, John.
1: Dear Santa, at the beginning of a football season, it appeared we were in position to make a true run for the Big 12 championship game, but then disaster struck. Our starting QB had to deal with constant injuries and at times we had to replace him with a backup who overfroze his intended receivers and runs like a chicken with his head cut off. Of the seven games we've been able to win so far in 2021, only one has came without our starting quarterback, which was to a below average Mountain West program in Nevada. All I want for Christmas is a reliable quarterback who can help the team uh, win football games we're supposed to next season not lose to texas is pretty much what i'm saying a quarterback who can read a defense much better than courtney messingham ever could make for correct adjustments at the line of scrimmage and throw the football with accuracy (laughs) further than 15 yards downfield like i could back in the day so alongside uh sorry let me say that again Along with the milk and cookies, I'll leave you with some of the masterpiece they call the Kansas City Barbecue, <laughs> as, well as, per- uh, um, as well as a purple Nike pullover, since it's really cold uh, outside. Yeah, Sincerely, a K-State fan. Unnamed <laughs> K-State K- fan.
0: Uh, anonymous K-State fan. That was truly touching. I think Santa's really going to like that. <laughs> you give him that Kansas City Barbecue, he might... He That's m- what Kansas
1: <laughs> is known for, and the, the weird thing is, is that it's Kansas City... Well, Kansas, Missouri. Or...
0: Yeah, whatever. It's it's it's, it's Kansas. man. Bas- it's basically don't, don't listen to the critics it's, it's basically Kansas. Kansas, Kansas. All right, what all right, well I'll go ahead and read my uh letter to Santa. Dear Santa, hope you and Mrs. Claus are well. Why were you so mean to Skylar Thompson this year? <laughs> I mean, I, I know that, like, you don't, like, control a lot. Of, but, I mean, I feel like you can do something about it. Like, he's, he's had it rough. You could, really could have helped him out. But as K-State fans, we, we usually don't ask for much. You know, just some reasonably good football. Beat KU at home in basketball every once in a while. But, I mean, I think next year our team's got, you know, a serious chance. You know, so with your help, I think K-State football can look to get double-digit wins. So I wish... For a competent quarterback, whether he's on the roster right now or not, to complement Deuce Vaughn be able to make quality throws to receivers, transition mm-hmm. to K-State, to a more modern offense.
1: Not overthrow is Not overthrow the, his it receivers.
0: Yeah. yeah, not get one and done mentality. And I also wish for an offensive coordinator who has the quarterback sneak in his playbook and doesn't run it up the middle 15 times. With a, with in a game with a running back who's five six and might be the most laterally quick running back, not only the Big 12, but possibly the country. Now for the basketball team, I know we're still pretty young, but I, I think this team can be competitive in the Big 12. I, I know it's a big ask, St. Nick, but uh, i wishing for a 500-record Big 12 play. Wish for Marquise Noel, consistency, I don't know why this is turning into the Wizard of Oz, but I wish for Marquise Noel consistency, (laughs) Davion Bradford and Casey Iziego footwork, Bruce Weber a voice, and I wish for the entire team to make some layups because it it can't be that hard. And lastly, I wish for KU to lose every game. Stay warm up there. Yours truly, Blake Crawford.
1: You know what you forgot to add? What? Uh, We need to bring... Uh, Santa, can can you potentially bring back sandstorm? <laughs> oh, that's a, I should have asked that. That would have been so good.
0: I was thinking about adding, doing like really over the top and get like a signature sound effect and like you know like your like licking the envelope and stuff. That probably licking okay, the envelope okay. probably wouldn't sound very. We,
1: we don't need to focus on the detail now. You
0: turn this into an ASMR show.
1: Exactly.
0: Well, we did we did both mention quarterback consistency, and that was something I we forgot to bring uh, up about during the football section. That uh, four hours ago, according to Derek Young over at K State Online, Adrian Martinez, the former Nebraska quarterback, is going to visit K State this weekend for a second time, and he's also apparently his family is going to come with him, mm-hmm. which is a sign that the deal is probably pretty close. I mean, of course, he has an incentive to come here because his girlfriend, Marissa Weichel, is a soccer player here at K-State. I watched some of his highlights uh, a few hours before the show. I mean, he seems like a real boomer bust quarterback. The main concerns are turnovers through 10 interceptions this year, and he's also recovering from a shoulder injury. So I know that if he does transfer to K-State, he won't be available for spring practice, which is unfortunate. But, I mean, 2,800 passing yards, the all-time total yards leader at Nebraska. I mean, he's probably one of the, if he does come to K-State, one of the more athletic quarterbacks that would have come here. I mean, he's he's got a pretty solid arm. He's really agile in the pocket. I mean, he's, he's been, he was dodging pressure all the time. He can always break off a run. They did a lot of QB power, read option stuff for him, can make throws off platform, reasonable deep ball accuracy. He was a four-star coming out of high school,
1: I and mean, I think he would be a good fit at K-State. From the state of California as well. He just—he's very athletic, and that's—that's that's the type of guy you want at K State. The thing that's holding him back, and and that's infuriated a lot of Nebraska fans, is the turnovers. Yeah. Now I don't know if that's what—that's with an inconsistent offensive line that Nebraska has, or if it's just bad coaching on Scott Frost's part, or if it's actually just Adrian Martinez in general. Uh, those will be some concerns heading into next season if Martinez does come to K State, uh, and I think. Well, I, I I definitely have more more expectations, like in terms of like the positive expectations, because yeah. we've seen what we uh, we seen um, Will Howard. What over, the alternatives are? What the altern- Yeah, actually, that's a good great way of saying it. <laughs> uh, the, we've seen the alternatives before, and they just do not look fully developed and ready to take the field as starters yet i mean you can probably make a case for howard he's he's thrown less turnovers than martinez has but i think and i what also k-state needs is a leader as well and martinez uh, considering that he's been in nebraska for the last four years he can probably bring a lot of leadership uh and commitment to this team uh and there's gonna be there's gonna be uh there's already few nebraska players that have uh, enter a transfer pole as well. Uh, even last year, with I believe Cade Warner. Yeah. Because he was originally from Nebraska. He came to K State and now he's playing, now he's playing, now he's getting some playing time. Uh, he's playing in a bowl game, which he, like, he, which he put into words, like, this is something I haven't done at Nebraska. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens. It, it, it put, some of it could potentially be with the expectations that Nebraska has. Uh, that's just not happening. But Nebraska has been really close in these games. Like, I I keep making this joke. Like, they're the best three and nine team. In they McCutcheon. really are.
0: Their point mar- their point margin is like the same. Like, their their point margin from their team is zero. They scored the exact same amount of points as their opponents, and they're three and nine. That's absurd.
1: It's just it's yeah, and it's just about those turnovers. Like, yeah, you can't, you, like that's why that that's really been the reason nebraska lost some of these type of games like to illinois purdue minnesota uh you just can't you just can't have some of those mistakes i i'm gonna save us though i think i like his chances better at k-state just with just because not only are you coming in with probably not with different expectations from the k-state side of things compared to nebraska but you're also going to be developed by a new op- by a new offensive coaching staff, right? Mm-hmm. So, it should be interesting to to see how this all shakes out. Uh, I know Cal uh, Cal has been looking at Adrian Martinez as well. He's yeah. originally from California. What um, we'll see what happens. Um, that's all I got to say on that.
0: Yeah, I, I think one final thought I want to put in is just I don't want to dog Will Howard. I mean, he's a talented quarterback. I think I was pos- more positive on him than some people were. I think, you know, the talent's there. It's just the thing is he blew his redshirt uh, possibilities this year, you know, playing in that game against Texas. So he's going to be a, ju- a true junior next year. And, you know, with two years, it just – it always felt like to me like we, we didn't trust him. Like we were, you know, like like uh, shrinking the playbook keep making it way simpler than it seems like it needs to be for a guy who's started a reasonable amount of games. You know, Kleiman hyped him up a lot in the preseason, saying he got a lot better. And it's just, you know, I I think he he could be the guy at K-State, but I think, you know you i think you could live with the turnovers and kind of the recklessness that martinez plays with cuz you know the talent is there you know he's you know he may be throw a few interceptions but he'll always be able to you know a break away from tackles that 90% of quarterbacks can't and break off a big run or make a huge throw and i think you'd rather have that guy than you know somebody who you know maybe isn't as turnover prone like an like a, maybe like a alex smith to pat mahomes type comparison
1: maybe just athletically he's more He's more structured, like he's more. He's more structured on the way he plays compared to Will Howard, because he always because he always faces pressure when teams uh finally read um, some of the offensive woes that Messingham has had over the yeah. past few years. Uh and. Dang it. I, I, I lost my thought. I do that go, go all. Back, go, I do th- go back to me I do, I
0: do that all the time. I'll, I'll just be talking, and I, like you'll say something, and i am going like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I have something planned, and I'm just like, oh, crap, hold up. What was it? Like five seconds later. I have the worst short-term memory. Okay. My long-term uh, memory is great. I, I stalled I, long I, enough for you to get it? Cool.
1: I, I, you got to also add into a factor that Will Howard, I mean, he wasn't placed into the best situation last year. Uh, with Thompson going out during during a pandemic year, where there's gonna be a lot of opt outs and injuries, uh, and not as many weapons as you would want to like uh, get assist, get a whole lot of assistance. So, I mean, as much as I want to see Will Howard uh, like become the guy, like time time's ticking up for him. Uh, and if K State yeah. does go after Martinez, uh, I'm not liking his chances of. Uh, being a being a starting QB,
0: yeah, If, yeah, if Martinez comes to
1: K State, he's probably going to get guaranteed the job, and, and yeah, and you're also saving you're also saving a rich shirt as well That's for Jacob Rubley uh, as well. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I think you mentioned it there that I mean it wasn't really Will Howard's team when he started coming in as a starter, which I think you know can impact how you play as I a mean, co-
1: quarterback. To I mean to start things off in the Chris Climbing era, I mean it was Skylar Thompson's team. I mean, yeah, co- coach has made it clear like. It was yeah. between him and Alex Dilton, and Skyward Thompson got the bid and yeah. like he he's been he's been the guy under Chris Kleiman. So it's de- it's definitely going to be interesting to see how co coach, uh, coach Kleiman develops whether it's Martinez or Howard to be the guy. Yeah.
0: And uh speaking of the guy the women's basketball team has their woman, uh that was a terrible segue. But anyway, the women's awful. basketball team as it currently stands is eight and two. And those two losses coming to number five, NC State, and number one, South Carolina. So respectable opponents, uh, thinking to uh, March Madness season. But they, the Cats have dominated every other opponent they faced so far, winning by an average of 32 points in their wins. I believe the point margin with the losses is still 21 points. They play South Dakota State tomorrow on the road. Then they play Oregon at home next Saturday, December 18th. Aoka Lee averaging 23 11 in four blocks a game. Oh, my goodness. And shooting 57% from the field, really efficient. And then Serena Sundell, guard for the women's basketball team, has been a really pleasant surprise, putting up double figures. She mm-hmm. had two games where she's gotten over 20, 20 points, averages four assists a game. Uh, Landon Reinhardt over the collegiate profile on Serena Sundell. you like to check that out. So, I mean, the, like both basketball teams have shown a lot of improvement. I mean the the ba- women's basketball team only shooting forty three percent from the field, under thirty percent from three. Something they need to improve on. They shot the ball terribly against South Carolina, twenty six percent from the field, two of thirteen from three. But just I mean, obviously, it's a number one team in the country. You know, they head close every once in a while. But I mean, I think overall things are on the up and up for the women's basketball team.
1: And I think you got to add. I think you got to add to some of a woo, uh, kind of a woos and kind of a cons for this team they're not the best in terms of starting off like starting off quick because yeah. like they they were kind of used to slow starts against northwestern state uh north dakota state they got they got together uh and they well they they if you not if you not seen the first quarter score against omaha uh on wednesday night it was 36 to 9 at the end of the first quarter <laughs> Thirty-six to nine. Holy cow! So, hopefully, that's definitely one of the factors that K-State has kind of uh, jumped over jumped over the hump. Uh, now that they're gonna come into really probably the two tough like, if there's probably a time where like this really put puts you in tournament conversation at South Dakota State and Oregon. Don't don't underestimate South Dakota State. They they earlier this year be Purdue. Uh, I believe in a preseason basketball tournament, uh, and and they've won the Summit League for a lot of years. So South Dakota State in Brookings against K State that's going to be a tough matchup. Uh, and then you got Oregon coming in as well, who's had who's also had a lot of success as of late. They'll be dangerous. Uh, and then you'll have a kind of a cupcake game against Illinois Chicago. Uh, and then you just start heavy with Baylor.
0: Yeah, I mean conference play starts it's it's coming up on I mean for both teams it's in less than a month. The guys starts on January 1st just right at the start of the new year and then for the women it's January 2nd. So, I mean, they'll have to get into it pretty quick. But, again, they're 8-2. and two. They play South Dakota tomorrow at 2 p.m. on the road. Now, for the volleyball team, uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about it because, John, you were there in Lincoln, but they uh, they were swept uh, by Florida State in the first round the NCAA tournament, 25-20, 25-16, 25-17. 24 attack errors to only 7 of Florida State. Uh, they only hit 0-77. What went wrong for them, John?
1: Probably, I just gotta say everything. Yeah, (laughs) I'll give some credit to where credits due. Florida State did not make things easy at times, just giving a lot of pressure to K State's offense. Uh, Haley Warner has did a had a pretty good game as well, Uh, but just not just K State probably just did not come in prepared, Uh, did not look ready. This was kind of a game that told us more about K State. More than it told us about Florida State because the night after that, Florida State got swept by Nebraska. Hmm. Um, with that being said, um, oh, dang it, I lost my train of thought again. I thought, I thought, I thought what impressed me the most was seeing some some of the fight that, well, especially Haley Warner, knowing that I think this is her last game as wearing a K State volleyball jersey. Hmm. Yeah, she played really well. Uh, I and mean, then we also had a few bright spots uh, offensively, like at the beginning of sets. So that's that's definitely some of the key takes I had. We also had a pretty big crowd in Lincoln as well. So I, I it was it was kind of a rough way to go out, but. I mean, making the NCAA tournament was was the team's goal. Yeah, it's a big deal.
0: it's really good to get the experience. A lot of them are going to be coming back, and they'll be coming. Actually, they won't be coming back. But they, uh, that was. I was trying to segue again, like they're going to be playing at the the Morgan. Uh, what is it called, the Morgan Family Arena, but that's not until 2023. But in other news, the ground was broken on three major projects for the athletic department, the football's indoor practice facility, the Olympic Training Center, and then the Morgan Family Arena where the volleyball team will be playing. Uh, Construction is expected to be completed about summer of 2023, so those will be really cool when those come in, of course, right after I graduate. But what can you do?
1: (laughs) What can you do? I think think out of all the winners – Danny Cavender, the strengths and conditioning yeah. uh coach who, who's with case who's not only with Case State at volleyball, but with several other Olympic sports as well, he's probably the biggest winner because not only can he well, at times he has to walk uh from somewhere like, like in the weights room at somewhere to Bramwich, which is not very easy to get to. You got the Olympic Training Center, which he'll probably spend his more, most of his time at in the volleyball arena. Like because those two buildings are going to be connected, like that's that's a big win right there.
0: Yeah, great win for him. So uh, let's go ahead and hear a word from Tanner's, and we'll come back and recap the K State versus Marquette game last night.
1: Gotta admit, gotta admit, your 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 transitions are a little bit. It's not my day. It's not my night. It's okay. I'm having an off night. We we, we, all, we all have off nights. Yeah,
0: I think my plus minus is definitely going to be. We we all have
1: off nights. I mean, even K State's offense.
0: Yeah, Office when we do our when we back, do our film study with our
1: executive producer, it's going to be well, I think we're going to get yelled at. Haley, it's going be <laughs> Okay, actually, I I was wrong. Haley Warner actually is returning next year. So. Oh, okay, that's good. Okay, but let's focus on
2: basketball. So,
0: K-State versus Marquette, K-State loses 64 to 63. Um, the three transfers had great games. Uh they combined for 44 of the Wildcats' 63 points. Each of them were in double figures. They collected 22 of the team's 41 rebounds, 15 of the 18 assists. I mean, they were really carrying the load for K-State, especially Marquise Noel almost put up a triple-double, 11 points, 11 assists, 8 rebounds, 12th double-double in school history with points and assists, uh, tied for the 7th most all-time in school history and most by a wildcat since Jacob Poland. Had 11 against Gardner Webb on December 14th, 2008. Now we'll get your thoughts, John, uh, about the game in general, but I want to ask you about being at Bramlage for the game because it seemed it was the, probably the biggest crowd since 2019. So what was it like? The student section was totally packed. It seemed like a really cool environment, the especially stu- with the all
1: lavender. The students have brought back what the Octagon of Doom is supposed to be highly, highly anticipating, sold out crowd. I mean, there, there's there's nothing there's in, there's never anything like it. Like when when the Bramlage ma- when the Bramlage Magic comes back, the Octagon dooms raising uh, very loud. I was in the front row during the basketball game wearing lavender. I was on the Trump many many times. Nice. Um, but just seeing the type of atmosphere, uh, I know we're probably not going to have in the next few games coming up because there's some cupcakes come uh but, yeah, just knowing that we can have s- that type of crowd with this developing team, I'm definitely looking to s- looking forward to see how we can do against some of these other other teams because when these big twelve teams like Baylor, Kansas, and Texas come in, you better believe Bramwich will be rocking, yeah, it's gonna be loud and it's gonna be fun,
0: yeah uh here is uh, Mark Smith thoughts in the post game press conference about playing in front of a packed out at Bramlage especially you know not being able to last year with uh covid it was great playing in a uh atmosphere like that obviously cuz last year uh covid no fans and then playing in a building like that you know obviously it hurts cuz you see all those people we want them to keep coming back and we we're supposed to get that win tonight uh it's just it's hard so we just got to just keep just keep going and just Hopefully, you know, bring that atmosphere every night to Bramlets because that's I feel like we got a great team and we're exciting to watch. So I feel like we can we can get Bramlets like that all the time. I mean, I think they can too. But I mean, just to be blunt, John, you know, getting your thoughts about the game, we sh- we should have won. I think this is a game we should have won. There were so many missed opportunities with all the layups being missed that were just yemmys. Mark Smith missing free th- two free throws with under three minutes left. I mean, I think those are just games you got to win. Like, s-
1: not the. I'm starting to notice a pattern in terms of free throws. Um, with the Wichita State and the Marquette game, the lack of free throws in the final five minutes. I'm I'm curious to know if there's gonna if there's some pressure with him the, the players mentality uh, as as the clock continues to wind down and all. Uh, I'd say though, really across the board, the two teams were fairly even. Marquette had one more made field goal and five more made three pointers than K State, but K State made six more free throws. Uh, The Cats, as a team, shot 70 from this charity stripe, but those free throws you mentioned, those were were killers.
0: Yeah, I mean, they really were. I mean, starting out in the first half, I've written down a sequence that happens starting at 8.53. K-State turns it over from a Marquette full press. They blow an easy dunk, then we go down, and Selton Miguel blows a layup, and then they go down and airball a jump hook. And then Noel finally ends the misery with a nice finish. I mean, it, that was just a, a brutal game. But, I mean, in the second half, you're up 39-33 with 17 minutes left. Some shots are starting to go down. Ishma is he's, he's finally, it, it seemed like, you know, through that first half and then a little bit in the second half, he was really found his rhythm shooting the ball finally, which was a sight to see. But then Marquette goes into a zone in the second half. They, do, they do kind of did a mix of both, but it really got to us. And that middle of the second half was really hard to watch offensively.
1: It was just, it was just rough, and and I think another pattern you can make as well. This like K State had a six point lead three times, and and twice in the second half, and and you just can't have these offensive inconsistencies like mis miscommunication, uh, ball movement. I mean those those are, those have got to be uh, capitalized on if you want to win these type of games and. I mean, we've seen this with Wichita State already, uh, with the Shockers um, taking advantage off of a Marquise Noel turnover when he was not anticipating it at a time. So K State, the K State offense, they have to be more prepared hitting into these type of big games. Yeah,
0: and then uh, I I meant I need to ask you this because I was rewatching the game uh, this morning. You'll, you're not going to believe this, but I was on I was on ESPN Plus trying to rewatch the game, and it wouldn't let me. It was shocking. I had to find it on YouTube. Anyway, uh, there was some chant that happened at 14 minutes left in the second half. Do you know what that was?
1: Oh, I don't know. If you can say it on air. It's definitely definitely, uh, directed towards Marquette's number 22. I forgot his name, but he was completely useless. Uh, (laughs) Okay. He he talks trash but scores zero points. (laughs) Like Well, actually, he, talk, he, he, he scores zero points, but when Marquette wins, he talks back of the student section. So yeah. He, he was asking for it the whole game. Like he, <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's nice you gave me, him his let, start, let too. Me, let me tell you a fact about the student section during basketball games. There's going to be one player on any team that K-State's going to target. Yeah. Well, K-State fans are going to target, well, the student section especially. Yeah. And they're just going to start chanting his name for the whole game. The whole games. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, and then getting back to the game action, I mean, that middle of the second half was brutal. We were 2 of 15 from 3 in the second half, which is just just not going to help you win a basketball game. And then, you know, 5:38 left in the second half, it's 61-54 Marquette and things are looking pretty bad. We can we couldn't really buy a bucket. But then Marquette goes on a scoring drought and it's 61-58 and Masood gets that open 3 on the far side wing yep. that goes in and out. I mean, if that go if that he makes that I mean it's it's it just a whole it's a totally game. different game. And then I mean going down to the wire, um wait we make it sixty one sixty and then out of a timeout, Shaka Smart, who was wearing some solid Jordan threes. They were definitely he was, looking, look he was looking he was looking he was looking pretty swaggy. Uh, with 40 seconds left, he draws up a really nice set that sets up Cam Jones, who's who was really hot the entire game. He was, and I mean, he's not the guy you want with the ball. And of course, he makes it 64 to 60. And then, oh my gosh, Mike McGurl. Woo, what a three pointer!
1: When Mike McGurl can get open and when he's re- uh, confident as ever to take a shot, that's when you, that's when you know he can make them. Yeah. But Marquette did a great job defensively guarding him the whole game, the whole game because they because they held him. To to I believe one of his lowest scoring games as a K State player, uh, in, over the last four years, um, I'd say I'd say right I'd say though, out of all the players, this is probably out. Of, I'm sorry. But no, you're good. You're out of good. all the players, but I was more impressed by like as the game, as the game uh, progressed. I was impressed with the way Davion Bradford was starting to get more inside. Yeah. Uh, often, all right? So, we, I mean, we already counted. Like, it was a disappointing season for Davion Bradford. Yeah. Uh, he's he's, I mean, he's already dealt with a lot of issues. Uh, uh, health as well. Uh, this game looked more of a same in the first half when Noel twice uh, found him with terrific passes in, passes in the paint, uh, sending him up for a dunk. But Bradford was just unable to finish any opportunity. Something definitely changed uh, within a timeout because Curtis Kelly and Shane Sappwell, uh are, are the two of the guys that but talk to him the most. Um, and he finished with nine points tonight and a rebound. So perhaps it's a, it's a first step back towards regaining his freshman form.
0: Yeah, he he made some. I mean, he made some really tough finishes in the second half. I mean, give credit to the Marquette bigs. I mean, they were all over us in the paint. We they it were. was just impossible to get a shot up. I saw. I can understand why we shot so many threes. It was just it was really hard to get a shot.
1: And just as a K State fan, you're you're kind of infuriated because because like there's not as many opportunities to to get inside, and we already seen K State's three point shooting over the last few tries it's just not been it's just not been like what what a Bruce Weber K State team is known for in terms of shooting the three pointer.
0: Yeah, it's just not really our uh signature. Not really what you want to live and die by. But uh getting back to the game with it was 64-63. We foul Cam Jones, who's really the guy you want at the free, uh, the one at the free throw line. I believe he's their worst free throw shooter on the floor at like 66%. Misses the first free throw back iron. 14 seconds left. We don't have any timeouts, so I know Bruce Weber dialed up a play during his previous timeout before the foul. So here's uh, Bruce Weber's thoughts on that last play with Ishmael driving and getting his shot blocked.
2: Well, it's a it's a ball slip ball screen. Marquise is supposed to read it. If uh, if they do a bad job slipping, he gets down the paint and, and makes a play. If they you know if they kind of stay there. Um, now we got Ish on the flare off a of, of Casey, and I, I surprised to be honest that he just didn't shoot it, yeah. get it on the rim, you know, give us a chance. He had made some shots. Uh, he put it on the floor, you know, he got the guy in his back, and just now be a little stronger and see if he can get to the free throw line and, and see what happens. But it it, it didn't happen. I don't. Know, I called that one time out. I just saw I saw us dead out on the court, no emotion. I just thought I had to talk to him and. Bring him back to life, and you know, I guess at the end, you always hindsight, you you wish you had one more time out maybe to do something.
1: I mean, you would think he'd want the ball. I mean, Bruce, uh, Coach Weber would want the ball in Mike's hand, Noel's hands, or Mark Smith to the bucket, buckets hands, but not really ish on a baseline drive reverse layup. I mean, that's just you because Marquette was just already really good in the paint and. Just the way they stifled ish uh, to end the game, it was just kind of a disappointing way to to kind of to end it. I mean, you, all, I, I've been, I, I also watched a replay of like the same final play, like three to five times. Could we have not developed anything with KZ Ziego on the inside? Because, I totally agree because he was because he had one arm open and he looked. Probably more isolated compared to anybody else.
0: That's exactly what I was gonna say. I mean, with hindsight, 2020, 20, you know, obviously, just for next time, to you know, what uh, what you might be able to do. I mean, I think Easy Egg, who definitely had a route to the basket on that little screen he was running, or Massoud could have just turned around and hit it. Mas- uh, Noel, who was wide open. I think my girl was open in the corner too, but I believe Ish Massoud just didn't know how much time was left. On the clock. So, you know, that kind of just did it. It's, it's just a, basketball is a game of inches. Just those little things added up, and, you know, they ended up taking loss, going to 5 and 3. Uh, let's go ahead and get a quick thought from you, John, going forward for K State. Play Green Bay on Sunday before we uh, get out of here.
1: Well, Green Bay is coming in to Manhattan following a road game at, at UMKC on Friday. So we'll see how they do there. I'm, st- I'm still liking our shot at. Um, I'm still liking our chances at competing with a lot of these top program teams. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see how everything it can go. It's starting to look like that the puzzles are starting to connect, but it's just got to find more consistencies, consistencies here and there.